2: buddy and welcome to episode 70 of 40
3: going on 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick.
4: Oh well, I'm Joel.
3: And I'm Josh. And, you know, preparing for this show, since we're doing kung fu movies, I had a joke already to go about uh, which animal clans we would all fit in. And I realized that a podcast with uh, four middle-aged white guys probably shouldn't be doing jokes about being in the clan when talking about (laughs) kung fu movies with a strong black lead. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, for the second
2: time in our lives, Josh has been the voice of reason. So, yes, this year's, this year's, this week's theme. Man, this New I want year's my
5: week. racism, though. I'm kind of a,
2: I'm... Oh, don't worry. You'll get it. Yeah, okay. Just go outside. You're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah, this year's. Just the this... World
3: Cup for my neighbor. Hang <laughs> <laughs> <Ding> on. <dong.
2: laughs> There's kung fu movies with a black lead and the musicians who made them.
3: It's true. Yeah, there is a musical connection uh, through both of our films.
1: Yeah.
2: So, uh, this week we watched The Last Dragon, the 1985. Barry Gordy
4: produced classic.
2: Yeah, Barry Gordy fiasco, and yes. uh, we watched the Man with the Iron Fists with RZA, and produced by Quentin Tarantino. Indeed, we did. Yes. So, but before we get to that, uh, let's talk about musings of a geek network. They have lots of podcasts.
3: <laughs> yes, they do, including the Media Feed, Dark Angels, and Pretty Freaks, the Salt City Popcast, How is this movie? Comic roast, salty language, and Red Horse Radio. <laughs> And if you want to hear our show on the weekends, you can always tune into Geek Life Radio Saturdays at noon. I like this. This is pretty cool. <laughs> on, it's like uh Mike is uh, presenting the answer, and I'm just filling in the blank. Josh is the hype man.
2: <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to see any of our old shows, they are on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Talkshu. And if you
3: where like, you can listen to them but I'm- not see them because this is audio. Did I say see? Yes.
2: <laughs> ah, shit. We were doing so well. <laughs> well, if you want to call and tell us what you can see, you can call 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. And if you want to start your own podcast, go to Blueberry and put in 40Go14 in the whatever who's it box when you sign up and you get a free month of hosting. woo Yay. Yay! Start your own podcast, but stay off the south side. That's ours. Huh? <laughs> I'll
3: cut you. <laughs> we have listener feedback. Woo!
5: Feedback! Yay.
3: We have a ton of listener feedback. Woo! So listener feedback. Out? further adieu. Here we go. going to be due. Good morning, fuckers. <laughs> it's me,
0: Charlie. It's been a while, but uh, I didn't listen to any of the Batman shit because Batman sucks and he's overrated and I'm fucking tired of him. I'm also tired of Groot. The fuck of the Groot. I don't give a shit. I don't want to know. Anyway, uh, I'm finally listening again and you're talking about uh, media and Casingles. K- k- singles. I had one. One Casingle. K- and uh, I also wound up buying the album because I liked the single so much. But uh, it was Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy. <laughs> and it was awesome because it had I'm Too Sexy, a song called Deeply Dippy, I think, and uh, it had the I'm Too Sexy in Espanol version, which is magical. <laughs> but I wound up buying the album and and uh, I got no defense for that. I probably should have told so for you. So forget I told you about the albums. I just bought a single cuz I am too sexy for my my car and and I'm too sexy for this call
2: I think we got a rare recording of the voices in Charlie's head on that one.
3: Well, I I actually think those were our voices. I think he was calling in while listening to us on like live speakers and not pausing the show.
5: Or maybe he just has a running commentary of us in his head, and we just got to peek it.
3: We are Uh, the voices in Charlie's head.
5: Yeah, we are the voices in Charlie's head. How crazy is this getting? Oh
3: Uh, man, Charlie, you make me sad hating Batman. (laughs) Clock Tower.
4: head to the (laughs) Clock Tower. How can you hate
3: Batman? but love
4: right said Fred head to the clock tower <laughs> <laughs> Head to the clock tower
3: uh, I mean I get it it's really edgy to hate the comic book character everybody loves but head I mean the clock tower.
5: Usually, usually that's Joel's role.
3: we could we could have done a podcast on like rom the fucking space night but no one would have <laughs> listened to it head to the clock tower <laughs> <laughs> What the all fuck right, is all the Space Knight. Exactly. He's, 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 thinking, a real, just, he's a real.
2: He's a real. He was a toy and a comic book really?
4: from the seventies. Yeah. yeah, and actually, James Gunn, Did ironically enough. Speaking of, I am Groot. James Gunn wanted to do Ad-Rom, the Space Knight to the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they wouldn't let him.
2: Yeah, they didn't have the rights. Yeah, cause yeah cause there's, cause there's, they no, you know, know what? We're pushing the envelope as it is. <laughs>
3: all right, but moving he, right on. Yes,
2: into the <laughs> clock the tower. Break? What? Because I'm
0: oh yeah, and I do my little turn on the catwalk. And on the catwalk, on the catwalk, yeah, I take my little foot, on the
1: catwalk. It
0: just occurred to me, I probably shouldn't be singing a song to you guys, because uh, you guys are fuck sticks, and you'll probably put out a show, <laughs> and uh, I, I fuck adequate.
5: Nice. I'm totally imagining him doing like the bubble thing, and he's got it all tucked in and he's dancing around about
1: (laughs) it. Goodbye, horses. Oh Uh, my god.
3: But wait, there's more? Oh, well, uh, we're going to hear from someone who isn't Charlie. Oh dear. Have you headed to
4: the clock tower? (laughs) Here we go.
6: Hey, 40-go-14, it's like Greg Uh So I'm listening to the Christmas song episode, uh, and you guys have got to the Pentatronic, or whatever, the acapella group, and it reminded me of a band that is not Christmassy, but uh, I don't know if you know who they are or not, but I feel like you guys would be at least interested in knowing about them. Uh, and that band is called Van Canto, V-A-N space... Canto. They are a, uh, they are an acapella group that does heavy metal covers, which sounds hysterically funny. And then when you listen to it, you're at you're Actually, this is pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, I thought you guys would be interested. Um, I guess I got nothing else. But to the front. bye.
4: Charlie feels they're adequate. <laughs>
3: Van Canto? That actually, I'm on their website right now. It looks pretty sweet.
6: I like that he spelled
5: out Van. Like,
4: like that not Canto?
5: <laughs> yeah, that's what made me laugh.
4: <laughs> Is it K-A-N-T-O? C-A-N-T-O? Is there an R in there? I don't... Just
5: V-A-N-Canto. <laughs>
4: it's like, how do you spell vodka? vodka. Okay. I'm going to have to check this Van Canto out after the show.
3: I remain steadfast
5: in my dislike for a cappella.
4: Is that Van Morrison's cousin? Yes. Uh, the sequel to Van Wilder? Oh, wait, that already happened. Never mind. <laughs> Moving
3: on to the next voicemail. Please. Okay, so you guys got to mini discs.
0: When I was a youngin, and uh, I saw mini disc commercials, that's all I wanted for Christmas that year was a mini disc player and a mini disc. And uh, instead, I, my sister got a CD player boombox, a CD player like a uh, shelf stereo, uh some wrestling shoes and a vanity and a bunch of a bunch of clothes and some money and i got a a drug rug poncho and some secondhand pants that were too small the good year never got a mini disc but i was looking them up you can still buy them for like 70 bucks i'm thinking about that can you guys is there any way you guys can like record on mini disc your show and send it to me i would appreciate that because I, that I would the sound quality of you guys sucking would be so much better than <laughs> than uh, the sound quality of the, of the iPod, yeah. All right. You guys have a, have an adequate day. Kisses.
4: If you get one, we'll maybe try and figure it out.
3: I love the <laughs> the Christmas uh, anecdote. In the middle, I expected him to break into, I got a carton of cigarettes. The old man grabbed me and said, hey, smoke up, Johnny, all right?
2: <laughs> Did he say his sister got wrestling shoes?
3: I think so.
2: Okay. And
3: another the clock another
2: clock piece of puzzle. <laughs> I, I was hoping maybe she got the wrong box or something. But no, apparently they were for her. Weird. So at least okay. it was an adequate Christmas. Speaking of weird.
0: Holy shit! Joel's a holdout on some new technology. He's afraid of the fucking clouds. Surprise, surprise! This is from the guy who still wears fucking a long sleeve shirt with a short sleeve overshirt over it because it's nineteen ninety fucking seven. Jesus Christ!
3: <laughs> Joel, wow. Joel definitely does fear change. We all know this. <sighs> yep. I just love feeling... that he took time out of his day just to take a piece out of Joel. <laughs>
4: Feeling a little hurt,
2: <laughs> and to sing us right, said Fred. So, it's been a full show. But wait, do we have what? We have one more.
3: No, that was that was number five. That was number five. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, four from Charlie and one from Peg Leg Pete.
4: Fuck <laughs> you, Charlie.
3: <laughs> Charlie, only, who is effectively getting a uh, fifth co-host credit on this episode. Yeah, just about.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we, only got, we only batted twenty percent on Bust at the front. Only one out of five messages gave us buttons. Uh
4: huh.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. You know what I think it is? Is it about that time? It is about that time.
4: Time to change a voicemail number. This week in
1: <laughs>
4: music,
2: movies, and TV.
1: And sports. Ah!
2: All right, so this week, the TWI is 1985, because that was the year The Last Dragon was released. So, 1985, music, knocking off Feed the World, Do They Know It's Christmas? by Band-Aid. The number one song is Like a Virgin by Madonna.
3: Wait a minute, Feed the World, Do They Know It's Christmas?
2: No, 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 okay, see, knocking... Okay, knocking feed the world. Do they know it's Christmas off the number one slot by Band Aid? <laughs> the number one song is now "Like a Virgin" by Madonna. I know. No, I, I get
3: that. What I'm marveling at is, do they know it's Christmas? Was a remake? <laughs> I really? I have complaints about Pat's grammar, also. Wait, what? Like a no, no. I'm not complaining about Pat's grammar. Yeah, the
5: I'm sentence just su- is sound, Michael.
3: I, I'm just surprised that "Do They Know It's Christmas," the crap Band Aid uh, song that we have talked <clears throat> about for the Christmas music show, is. Is a reboot. No, no, no. Why would they do that again?
5: No, no, this is the original.
3: Yeah, the title is
2: actually Feed the World, Do They Know It's Christmas?
3: So they were like clueless and racist before, and they did it again. Like Charlie. Oh, wait. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know where this car is going.
2: I'm
5: confused. I, uh, Josh, are, are you thinking this? What, was this remade?
3: I don't know. That was the thing this, is I didn't know that. Do they know it's Christmas was already a song by Band Aid in 1985, and then again in 2014. This is just blowing my mind.
4: Oh, you didn't know? Wait, really?
3: Yeah,
5: yeah. This song has been around since we were young. You, don't yeah. mean, you didn't know
3: that?
4: I don't it, remember the huh. song at all. They wow. play it on 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 the radio every Christmas.
3: Yeah, it's like a standard Christmas song. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I try not to listen to Christmas. Music obviously, man. So, well,
2: anyway, (laughs) like a virgin is the number one song now. It's a song about a regular fuck machine. One of the biggest music festivals in the world begins on January 11th, 1985, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The rock in Rio had a public attendance of 1.5 million people and featured artists like Iron Maiden, Nina Hagen, the B-52s, the Go-Go's, Queen, Rod Stewart, James Taylor, ACDC, and many, many
3: more. But since it was in Rio, 0.5 million people were murdered, including Rod Stewart. (laughs) Nobody's told them yet. Oh, <laughs> God.
4: Uh, real quick. They must have just got his career. The um, the Do the Another Christmas song originally came out in 84, and then it, it uh, got a poor reception, so they reissued it in 85, um, and that's when it got much better, apparently. Well, got better so,
2: reception, but it didn't get any better.
4: No, right. That's crazy. And then they, I mean, the whole Band-Aid thing's got a hell of a history, so at some point, go to Wikipedia read about it. Okay. The end.
2: Movies. Beverly Hills hill's cop is number one at the box office dominating the world of hollywood until late Mm -hmm. march being knocked off by a random oh acronym of the day ft 13
3: a n b yeah that's a fat tits 13 another nude breast so (laughs) big porn classic beverly hills cop couldn't stand up Much better than Fat Tits 12. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what's crazy is I didn't even pre-read, so I had to do that one on the fly. That's amazing.
4: (laughs) Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Uh, There you go. That's an easy one. But I like Josh's
3: version. So,
2: TV. Murder, she wrote, squeezes into (laughs) the realm of the triumvirate.
1: (laughs) I don't think anyone has ever... Pronounced the comma. Oh,
3: as he put it there. But he's right, though. That's how (laughs) you're supposed to say it. There was almost an implied question mark. Murder. She She wrote? wrote?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It breaks into the triumvirate by breaking into the number three spot. Uh, Carol Wayne, a small-time starlet model, best known as Manatee Girl in Johnny Carson's (laughs) art (laughs) firm. Who? (laughs) As Manatee Girl? The Seagull. (laughs) It's Matt and May. <laughs> I gotta stop drinking before the show. Oh, <laughs> oh God! I girl. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> the secret. Our love can never be. <laughs>
5: <laughs> like, why don't you shave sometime? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: oh, oh, so anyway, and Johnny I hate
5: Car- manatee girl.
2: In Art Fern, uh, Johnny Carson's Art Fern comedy sketches. She's found floating dead.
3: <laughs> Why is that the funny part?
4: Because now she's floating. So. Because she's a manatee. <laughs> <laughs> He's floating dead in a shallow bay.
1: <laughs> and
4: then Pat's last comment ties it up so nicely. <laughs> all
3: right. I think you'd better start from the beginning because I don't think anyone <laughs> listening has any idea what you've been talking about for the last oh. two minutes. Okay. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> I was
2: all right until I saw the bay thing. All right. Carol Wayne. A small-time starlet model, best known as Matinee Girl. Fuck. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Matinee? Joel, do it. Carol Wayne, a small-time starlet model, best known as Matinee Girl. And Johnny Carson's Art Fern Comedy Sketches is found floating dead in a shallow bay on January 13, 1985. And Manzanillo, Zinalo, Manzanillo? I said it right. Colima, Mexico. She had great tits. Look her up. Oh, God.
2: The okay, pre stuff doesn't have to be real. All <laughs> uh, a relative term.
4: But I had to because it makes the manatee comment even funnier. It's true. <laughs> that manatee had great tits. <laughs> All right.
2: Oh, I had break out to Michael McDonald. Oh, That's oh, wow.
4: about to start singing to Michael McDonald.
2: Okay. So now sport. Ah, oh, <sighs> shit. Okay. <clears throat> After that. Hey, I'm prepared for this. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Ready? I got somebody else to do this for me.
1: Davis and Roger Oda Silva.
2: There you go. <laughs> So him, mostly known as Bobo, is born January 9th, 1985. He's a Brazilian footballer who plays for Hang on. I think ah, this is this cheating. A sport? Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is cheating. As a striker, the Calgary Flames set an NHL record for with 264 regular season games without being shut out. What I, I never said I could get a substitute speaker. I couldn't.
5: I think it's against the rules. I didn't I don't know. know. I
3: didn't know we had rules. I'm oh, going to allow didn't. it. <clears throat> nah. I'm surprised you didn't have the computer voice say matinee. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> adequate.
2: All right, Miscellaneous, January 7th, 1985, The King and I opens on Broadway Theater in New York City and runs for 191 performances. Why do you keep putting in show tune stuff?
1: Because it's random and interesting.
2: I know, but it's like the second episode you've been on the Broadway show tune thing.
5: When, when I can't find enough shit for everything else, I have to throw in a you know, random fact that I
2: find. Manatee Girl wasn't enough.
5: Oh my God. Well, I didn't know you were going to pronounce it like this, <laughs> <"Sass>, you freak. <laughs> <sighs> I never All right. know when your little oral typos are gonna make something really funny. So,
2: <laughs> oral typo—that's awesome. All right, so kung fu movies. We watched them. Yes, we did. Yeah.
3: So, uh. I,
5: I will start off before we get on this. I will say that there I have a bias. I am
3: not a Cub fan, so. Let's see if I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, everyone's shocked.
2: <laughs> Patrick hates something. In a new I, twist I, on I 40 like going Pat, on in 14. I like martial arts movies. I don't <laughs> like Kung
4: Hey, guys. Does Pat like or hate Kung Fu movies? Show sure enough. <laughs>
5: That being said, I used to love this movie when I was young.
2: Oh, I did, too. Hypocrite. Every 20 minutes on HBO, this movie was on. The Last Dragon, 1985. In New York City, a young man searches for the master to obtain the final level of martial arts mastery known as the glow. A long the glow, way, the he must fight an evil martial arts expert and rescue a beautiful singer from an obsessed music promoter. He Was, was he was a music promoter or he was an arcade owner?
3: Well, he wanted to be a music promoter. He, he was yeah. trying to promote Angela Varraco's
4: crazy, like, uh, Cyndi Lauper video thing. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like if uh, Charo and Cindy Lauper had a baby.
2: Yeah, that's it right there. Oh. That's, a, that, that's a pretty good, yeah. No, well, Josh has gone down that corridor. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> so this is starring...
5: In, in there, want to go do that again.
2: <laughs> starring T- Tymac? Timac, Timac as Leroy yep. Green. Vanity as Laura Charles. And then we get into the people with two names. <laughs> Christopher Murney as Eddie Arcadian. Julius Carey III as Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem. Faith Prince as Angela Veracco and Leo O'Brien
3: as Richie Green.
4: Oh, yeah, Richie Green. What? <clears throat>
3: Bruce Leroy Green. You know, there was actually one, uh, probably the biggest actor after this uh, <clears throat> After this movie was left off because she was such a, a minor part. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed who uh, his little sister was. There, I had, did.
2: Yep. There were two Cosby stars, quote-unquote stars, two Cosby alum in this movie. Did you know that? Who was I it? did.
3: Yeah. yeah. Keisha, Nightpolium and who?
2: One second here. I'm still choking. Um, in the uh, scene where they destroy the Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, the dude in the back in the gold lemay jacket is cockroach from really? Cosby really? Show. Walter? Yeah. And well, I, take, I yeah, god. I take no credit for this because of all people, Suzanne sat bolt upright on the couch
4: and was like, "Oh my god, that's
2: cockroach."
5: That's awesome. She caught wow.
2: it. Yeah.
4: Well, I would disagree <laughs> though that that the biggest star because oh, Mike Star. Oh, Don, star, you're
5: gonna be to it because I wanted to I wanted to bring
4: that one up. Go ahead. Well, what Mike Star?
2: Oh no, no. no. Okay. Go ahead. I know There's who Pat's talking
4: story. about. I'll oh, let Pat have that, well, that one. Well, Mike Star was in it who was uh we all know him from dumb and dumber being one of his biggest roles as the gas man uh chaz palmentary was a, a a guest spot and the other one that i actually posted to the facebook chat when i saw it i'll pat you can bring it up if you'd like no,
3: no, no i was no. i was talking about chaz
4: actually oh, oh well william h macy plays her tv producer
3: you know, oh, yeah. William H. Yeah. Macy is a minor, minor character. It's so as say-
5: Terry plays the limo driver when they first try to abduct her.
3: Yep. Good catch, guys. <clears throat> so I don't know of- if you guys recognize Julius Carey at all. Oh, uh, uh, if you guys ever watched uh, Briscoe <clears throat> County, Jr.? I have the entire series on DVD. Yep. Classic. So then I would hope you recognize yeah. Julius yeah. Carey as Lord Bowler. Yep. abso Yeah. We want to talk about two of his best roles ever: is Shownuff
2: and Lord Lord Bolver. I didn't even
4: know he was in it. I've
5: never seen Briscoe County.
2: What? Yeah, it's I, yeah, amazing. it's worth your time. Yeah, imagine like a uh, uh, sci-fi steampunk old western with Bruce Campbell and Shownuff.
4: Imagine, yeah, the Wild Wild West, but with with Bruce Campbell. Yeah.
2: Oh, you guys are gonna hate me, but you, I'm not a big Bruce Campbell fan.
4: Oh Jesus, why is he on the show? <laughs> I, I like. I don't know why he's on the show. <laughs> he's
2: not
5: anymore. <laughs> you just hang him up. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Give him a second. He's probably still talking. So mean.
5: very,
3: very mean. <laughs> uh, before we leave the cast, however, I also wanted to talk a little bit about Faith Prince. OK. I don't know if you know who she is. She looked super familiar to me. That's because she has been in frickin everything since like the early 80s. Uh, she was in Dave, the uh, big Kevin Kline Sigourney Weaver film. Oh, yeah. She was in Picture Perfect. Heck, just two <clears throat> weeks ago, she was in Gallo Really? That's right.
4: Still busy, huh?
2: She played someone called Two Balls. No, (laughs) she played Sid's mom in the episode called Two Balls.
3: Yes. big
5: difference. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't two balls herself, no. Yeah,
2: no, that was
3: the episode name. Okay. Yeah, and she's just been a working actress all the way through doing one-off bit parts on everything from Grey's Anatomy, Mad- Ugly Betty, Mad, oh my God, Mad, Mad, Mad Men.
2: PT. Oh, good for her. Do something good and
3: run with it, man. Seriously. <laughs> I thought that was awesome because before she <clears throat> got the role here in The Last Dragon, she was actually a very accomplished stage actress. So, she's had a very long and successful career despite not enjoying a huge Amount of mainstream fame. So, thought she deserved her due. Yeah, but
2: she's one of those that everybody, when you see it, does exactly what I did. Oh my god, I know her from somewhere. Well, you know her because she's in everywhere. Right. So, I honestly, I have to tell you that I thought Leo O'Brien was the dad from Good Times for a quick second there. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
3: Wait, Richie. Richie's the little kid.
2: No, Leo O'Brien, Richie Green. No. You're thinking
3: of Daddy Green. Richie was the the brother.
2: Yeah, Daddy Green. Sorry. I thought Daddy Green was the guy from...
3: Richie was an obnoxious little fuck. Yeah, he was. He was, I mean, yeah, I I act, well, we'll get to what we all thought about the movie. But yeah, I, I will agree with you on Richie. He was trying way too hard. To be Arnold from different strokes.
2: Exactly. So let's do some trivia, and then we'll get to what we thought about it. During the introductory training sequence, Leroy karate chops an arrow as it soars past him. This is for real. It took him two hours to get the stunt right. So good for you. Okay,
1: well, that's at, impressive. And
5: um, I'm real quick, and then, uh, but what use is a skill where you can catch an arrow that is not even going to hit you anyway? Like catch the arrow that's going to hit you. That's more. Well,
4: impressive. he stepped out of the way.
5: No, he didn't. The arrows um, were like a foot away from him. and He kept reaching out to grab them.
4: Um, thank you. Maybe he doesn't want to <coughs> lose them. You know how what happens when they go past you? If they miss, you lose them. Then you got to go in the forest, pass.
3: especially when you make your own.
4: Exactly. So you like want to catch them? And, mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think this was an opportunity for them to show off Timeax's skill because unlike a lot of other kung fu stars of the age, he was already an accomplished martial artist before he got into any sort of uh, training for films. Like, a lot of the big martial arts stars simultaneously worked on their martial arts and their acting with the idea of eventually going into movies. I mean, that was Jackie Chan's career path. That was even Bruce Lee's career path. But uh, Timac was a martial artist for years before there was any sort of dream of a uh, film career, and uh, mm-hmm. this was supposed to be his breakout role. Well, everybody remembers for him for it. Okay. That's
2: all they remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember that dude <laughs> from The Last Dragon is what they say? I mean, this yeah, is his first much.
4: role, so, I mean... He had high hopes. So and... to
2: stay first when it's also his
4: last. No, it no, yeah. wasn't his last. Yeah,
3: he's done a lot of uh, little roles. And uh, he was in a movie a couple years ago called Repeat Offenders. Yeah,
4: he's still working, just not very much. Yeah. So in uh,
3: 1997,
2: Busta Rhymes parodied the character Show Nuff in his music video for Dangerous. In the video, the music cuts off and Busta proclaims, Yo, Leroy, I am not the baddest. And replicates the first on-screen speech of Show Nuff in this movie, which was great. I thought the whole movie theater scene was just as awesome as I remember it, <laughs> Watch it's it not at the-
5: all ridiculous
2: oh no not at all completely normal that's <laughs> that's
5: how every movie I've ever been to goes
2: yeah
4: the two fat guys up in the balcony that are like take off his shirt like I was expecting like muscles or something it was just a lot of fat
2: and a midi yeah,
5: yeah we're, like only in the 80s could a guy wearing a baby tee that barely covered all his baby fat be considered tough right
2: yeah or uh what kind of movie theater do you have? Well Pack probably goes this where you got this giant Rastafarian dude smoking an amazingly huge blunt right in the front row. <laughs> the 80s. Next to the guy with the paper bag bottle, uh drinking whatever's in there. And then there's probably Pepsi. Bruce Leroy
3: eating popcorn with his chopsticks.
4: And his giant hat on that nobody complained about. The
2: yeah, giant wicker nipple. <laughs>
3: I want to revisit this topic, but let's finish trivia.
2: All right. Under pressure from the studio, in an effort to cut $2 million out of the budget, director Michael Schultz and screenwriter Louis Venosta sat up in a hotel room all night rewriting the script. When Venosta fell asleep on the hotel bed, Schultz decided to delete 40 pages of the script. Jeez. When Venosta woke that morning, he killed Michael Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> no, the pair spent the entire day recreating forty pages of the script.
4: Well, think about it, because everything then at that point was still, you know, typewriters. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, there was some computer stuff, but I mean, did he really delete it or did he get rid of pages? I mean, it I guess they probably, probably
3: have, a word processor, like yeah. not a computer Ooh, yeah, with a word processor program, but a word processor, one of those big suitcase-looking things. <laughs> yeah. So
4: deleting it was a little bit different scenario than.
2: Yeah, it's not like it's in the trash can. Right. You know.
4: That's crazy. <coughs> yeah. 40 pages. That's I mean, that's almost that's almost an hour of, well, it's 40 minutes of movie time.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. So, let's go when, around. Okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Josh, tell me what you thought, man.
3: Okay, I was so scared when I watched this because we've been watching stuff from our youth and stuff that I thought was going to be awesome just hasn't been holding up. And I was like, I got a bad feeling about this one. This is going to ruin something I have fond memories of. And I was shocked at how well it held up in my opinion. Uh, For, to me, the fact that it never at one point took itself seriously. It's got this alternate <clears throat> fantasy martial arts underbelly for Harlem that like there's this whole alternate world and then when we finally see Leroy Green's home life, you realize that most of the people in Harlem have no idea this exists and it's completely ludicrous to them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a movie that not once te- takes itself seriously but never descends into self-parody or like winking at the audience and hey isn't this stupid yeah true story i agree and, with you and i think that's why i loved it then and i loved it when i watched it again just a couple of days ago i i was shocked at how well it held
2: up it's almost like a period piece now you it's like god damn it joel uh, no i mean it's like it's one of those it is so 80s that it, this movie could not exist in any other decade. You could it's not. It's a time
4: capsule. Yeah,
2: yeah. <clears throat> at one point, the girls looked at me and they're like, "Did people really dress like this?" <laughs> and I'm like, "With giant red and black football pads?" Maybe someone. No one I knew. So <laughs> <Showed> no, <clears throat> <up. clears throat> it was not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah.
4: Well, but I mean, if you think about it, you look at when they have 80s days at your work or 80s night at the dance club or whatever. These days, I, I've never been to a dance club, but anyway, they all dress in. in Fluorescent neon colors and whatnot, and it's all just this super, like, hyper realistic version of it. But here you have a cross section of what I mean was a lot more realistic. Um, Yeah, what was so? Yeah, you could tell her, yes, that probably people everybody
5: everybody did own clothes like that, but we did wear them every single day,
4: yeah,
2: right. I told her is like when the um what was the uh student his that got his ass kicked in um Leroy Green's dojo. Oh Johnny Johnny Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy. yeah, when Johnny shows up and he's got that that jacket that's like sweatpants on the on the arms and what a windbreaker in the center, I was like, All right, now see that's how people really dressed. That's yeah. everyday dress for the eighties. You know, nobody walk around wearing a wicker wicker nipple. <laughs> And well, <laughs> well, we did that in the '90s. Yeah, but <laughs> it was a total '90s thing. Was a wicker nipple.
3: <laughs> that was the thing. Is it wasn't even like a traditional Chinese hat. It was like something borrowed off the set of Man of La Mancha and painted black.
5: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it was black. I thought the it was hat wicker. he wore. Yeah. Oh, because I know he got. I know he no,
2: got it wasn't the. Black. No, it was, oh, was wicker. It straw colored? It was straw colored, because yeah. he got it stolen oh, okay. by the most racist His, China.
5: Yeah, shit. His suit was black. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's yeah. right.
2: But when he went down to see it the first time, he went to go find the new master at the at the. the cookie factory i was like this it was uh, almost imploding on itself on the the racism scale because you've got a bunch of chinese guys break dancing calling a black dude in chinese traditional garb a coolie yep was like
5: there was a whole lot of racism in that scene
2: there's a whole lot of racism in the whole damn movie and at the end everyone wears white well
5: wow. well that's because that's the cleanest color we all know that
3: uh the three guys <laughs> just for your reference uh they're at the uh the Fortune Cookie Factory? Yeah. Uh were who Yi, ye, Lou Yee, and Do Yi.
4: Oh, really? Please tell yes. me that with
3: is that their actor names or this? No, those their, are their character names. Oh, okay.
4: No, they had really cruel cool parents.
3: <laughs> and I <did. laughs>
5: They didn't I mean, know they didn't each other. They didn't know each other before this. Yes. They just met on the set. It was a catch.
3: giant coincidence. At first, I don't know if anyone else caught this, at least until you see the name of the fortune cookie. Like, there is a trace also of anti-Semitism through the entire thing. When you get to the name of the fortune cookie, is some dumb goy. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. And a couple of times, they're just these random Jewish jokes, like, for no reason. Well, that's that must what have been happens when you're up all night 40 writing pages 40 pages. <laughs> script, right?
5: <laughs> like when, they, when they're walking down the street and saying, like, hey, check out this kike.
3: Well, <laughs> uh, you were looking for your racism.
5: I knew I would find it.
3: <laughs> Holy Maybe he, he must he, have showed up
4: with the bucket. It I'm was within you
3: ra- the whole racist. time.
4: Pat, <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you start to glow racist. before that happened? What? Oh, he's got Pat starts to glow before he gets racist. <laughs>
2: The glow, like you really know what? Like, that's another thing, Josh. I didn't expect the glow to hold up, but it was so perfect. No, it was... It no. was no, cause it was, it was, we were 14 years old when we were watching this.
5: It was the worst part of the movie.
2: The glow? It was supposed oh, to be like awesome. this great finale. You're it was
5: the dumbest part.
2: He was, every time he punched, uh, uh, show enough, he had those amazing sparks come up. Yeah. Just like Street yeah, Fighter, cool. man.
4: Kind of. Um,
2: that's because when you punch people, baloney flies around. <laughs>
5: Only because I keep bologna in my pockets, Mike. I Pocket like bologna! Is that a sin?
4: <laughs> Show <laughs> enough. Joel, what about you, man? <clears throat> I um, I'd never seen it. I mean, I've seen clips here and there, and I've heard about it for years, and I've heard all the quotes. And I know the music, um, well, except for upset stomach that I didn't know about until the week prior to seeing it, but I did catch it in the movie. They actually used it. Um, and I, I kind of have to agree with you guys. I was pleasantly surprised that the way it held up and because there was not a lot of special effects like in the turtles or in, you know, Batman, it was mostly just kung fu and cheesy clothes. I think that's part of the reason why it held up because it was kind of that time capsule. It was a, and it was a bit of an, an anomaly too, because it was back in that time period where they were kind of more willing to take risks. Because if you tried to make this movie today, I don't know that it would work just on the premise alone. You know, they would have to gritty it up or something. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I like, I legitimately by the end of it was like, that was fun. I, uh, I had a good time. So. This is the show that Joel is right.
3: <laughs> uh, you mentioned the music, Joel. Yeah. Uh, this music in large part was uh, responsible for the success of the DeBarge hit Rhythm of the Night.
5: Yeah, and how bad is your music when that's the best song on your soundtrack? I
3: love that
4: song. It's oh, yeah, so awesome. song.
3: We are. So meh. I mean, we talked not so long ago. Huh? I specifically uh, bought the entire album just for that song. So I'm going to have to
4: disagree with you there. Oh, yeah. you know what I we never, gotta watch? I
2: never was a big Elda Bars fan.
3: We gotta watch Streets of
4: Rage. Wait, we can't. We gotta do this show first, Mike. Oh, shit, no. Well,
2: we gotta we make a note a for that. Show.
4: We should do a Tremors show? Yes, we should. Yeah. When they, re- when they make the new one that's coming out.
2: That'll be like, what, number seven?
4: No, it's the fourth movie. No, fifth movie. Fifth. Why are we talking about Tremors?
2: I don't know. Patrick, and was What a TV show. Here we yeah. go. Patrick, what did you think of this movie? Yeah. I used to love this movie when I was a kid. I don't
5: know why. Um, I just, but I did. I just, I thought it was a fun movie and I enjoyed it. Like I even liked it so much as I, I named a fantasy team of mine in basketball one year. Shona was my team name. And I was, I also was afraid it wasn't going to hold up when I went to watch it. And um, despite the fact that it did not hold up and it really is a steaming pile of garbage, I'm not sad that I watched it. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a crap movie with bad acting and the special effects are laughable and the characters are ridiculous and the costumes are just too over the top. But, I mean, it's a fun movie. I don't hate it, and I'm not really sad I watched it again, but I'm probably never going to watch it again in my life.
4: I'm a little upset at that because I know how much you loved it and you quoted it, and I really want to know what was in that tank of water.
5: That is, oh, That is something I wanted to bring up. Thank you very much. Why yeah. was that never resolved, and why well, did it, that not eat his face off? It well, after they dunked
4: him, uh, Well, after they dunked him in there, he's like, get rid of it. So we Yeah, and it was never, just never
2: touched again. And he and was like, this, this great big MacGuffin that just was never addressed. Again. I'm guessing it was some kind of fish. <laughs> well... I thought it
5: was just a giant angry man that was shrunk down into a fish size gill course, man
2: that had a. It was, was very, my theory. It was a
3: miniature Buffalo Bill.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, It was like a giant Titan shrunk down into like a three foot size.
3: It was actually just Grace Jones. <laughs> you see, she turned down Eddie Arcadian previously, so they kept her in the tank, and she just does that.
4: That explains it. Okay. Wow. So, did anybody have any sort of an issue with how incredibly naive the last dragon was?
5: Yeah, he was, like, like purposely lived in a bubble.
4: Like, just beyond uh, normal, for for somebody that is in the city he lives in and, and in the circles he runs and with his family and everything, he just, he was so... I mean it was almost too far he, off the it, other it's side. It's
5: like he knew nothing at all unless it was taught to him by that old Asian man.
3: And I think that's what they were going for is that they were going for he is he the prototype of the martial arts student from the old kung fu films who doesn't yeah. know anything about the world.
5: I mean they, did he not go to school? How did they get away with that?
4: Well, maybe he's homeschooled.
5: By that old, old Asian man? Perhaps. Okay, okay so no, here's by my I Here's my ridiculous theory that I came up with for this movie.
0: Okay. Oh, dear God.
5: And I don't have a whole lot to back it up. And I was gonna try to like come up with it, but then I didn't have enough time. I think, <laughs> I think that, that that the Last Dragon is a parallel to the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs>
2: what no 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 wait i want to see where this rabbit hole goes i have no idea where he's going with What? It. i want to see i want to i want to find out
5: very much very much like like the original star wars uh, trilogy according to george lucas oh. was all about the redemption of anakin skywalker i think this movie is all about the redemption of richie green he's a horrible person the whole movie and at the very end when the final battle happens you know and like and like shogun I, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't fully formed it, but <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, there, there, there's the first battle that is like the, the first battle um, where, that happens in the movie theater is like the first battle at the end of, uh, of episode four. And then you have the second battle that happens in the dojo, which is like the battle of Hoth. And then you get the final battle, which is, you know, the the main battle between the, the two guys. And that, that's like your, your, your you know, and, and everything, repu- you know, and it's broken down in those kind of ways. And I was I was trying to figure out who was who and such. And that would make like, um, I don't know, I guess that would make Laura either Princess Leia or... Or Jar Jar, I'm not really sure, but Jar Jar wasn't in the originals, so I guess it doesn't hold up.
3: So your case basically is that people fought, so it's Star Wars. Well, I was i didn't like did
5: get a chance
2: to really fully explore it. I, I <laughs> Hi, I was more thinking
3: <laughs> Wait, that. So Shonnuf is
2: Leroy's father. <laughs>
4: See, I was seeing Leroy, when he originally said that, I'm like, oh, Leroy's like like Luke in the beginning. He's like, oh, Uncle Ben, I want to borrow the speeder. You know, really exactly. naive. And, and,
5: and that's where I would, I would, I mean, I had that in my head, too, but I am high on that. I
4: see that, but the rest you gotta, of it
5: is... Yeah, you gotta make Leroy Luke, and you got, you know, and, oh, and I remember also, and, and because, I don't know, no, remember when, the, and this, I remember this part, too, this is part of my theory, Um, the attack on the pizza place was like when Luke's Uncle uh, uncle Owen and Aunt Baru got killed and died, because you'd never
2: see them for the rest of the movie anyway, so it's like they're
4: Oh, wait a minute.
2: I just figured it out. Shit, he's starting to make sense to me. We gotta take a break soon.
4: So, no, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. So, the thing in the water in the, the, his apartment is the trash monster. Yes.
2: And Eddie trash Arcadian monster. is, is, uh, Jabba the Hut. No, it's the Sarlacc pit. Mm-hmm.
4: No, that's in Return of the, no, that's too far into the movie.
2: And the pool table is
4: green. <laughs> <laughs> and they and glow. So the,
2: the white ball drives the black
5: ball into the hole.
4: <laughs> they glow like lightsabers when they fight and I'm they spark. Him,
5: if I really work on this,
2: I can make this work.
4: Holy shit. <laughs> we already are making it work, so let's not do that anymore.
2: So wait, no, who Who is Leia? Is it Faith oh, Prince's Le- Leia or Vanity? At the, hold on, hold on.
5: At the end of Return of the Jedi, everybody's glowing, just like in this movie.
4: Oh! Because they're dead. So is the little kid that fights the little kung fu master, is that an Ewok?
3: Or he's Yoda.
4: Okay. Yeah,
3: Before we go to break, can we move for <laughs> something that isn't total bullshit. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, Josh, we cannot. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Have you not been on the show before? Uh, oh
5: fine. Uh, shit on my pl- on my theory. Whatever. We're
4: Gladly. actually buying
2: pads. So. <laughs> <laughs> hand in hand, we done. skip down that alley.
5: I shit on your movie. No, so you can shit on my theory. I guess. <laughs> All right.
2: uh, Wow. So, yeah. Right. Shall we break? Uh, hang hey. on. I, I got oh, to wait. Go
3: Josh has serious stuff he wants to talk Uh-oh. about. oh Wait, wait, wait.
4: Yeah. What? Let Josh go.
3: Okay. Uh, there are a few things about the locations that they filmed on. Most of them were lower Manhattan or Bronx actual on on location spots. The uh, film theater was actually a uh, porno adult movie theater. Uh, uh, of course it was. <laughs> the biggest set that wasn't an on location was, of course, the Seventh Heaven Club location. Uh, It was so impressive that uh, Diana Ross showed up on the set and uh, immediately looked around and asked if she could buy it and use it for her next tour. Nice. Wow. So that was – I thought that was really interesting.
4: Uh, So it made money before it it even opened. In some
3: ways, yeah. And also there's a further connection between this movie through Barry Gordy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with LMFAO. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, do you guys know that they are relatives of Barry Gordy? Yes. No. How else yeah. would they get played? Yeah. They're his youngest son and, uh, that youngest son's nephew, uh, are, oh, like Red Foo and Sky Blue. Well, in their big hit Sexy and I Know It, uh, kind of tipping the hat to their, I guess, father and grandfather, uh, they refer to the lyric in Sexy and I Know It and like Bruce Leroy, I got the glow. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh. Yeah, that was very nice.
4: Got the glow, the glow, the glow.
3: <laughs>
5: glow to the glow the glow glow glow. glow. All right, that, uh, I'm amazed that with Barry Gordy as the, as one of the producers or the producer of this movie, that the movie that the music was so so awful. You so know what's
3: mad. crazy is that glow song was actually the return of a major Motown artist to the uh, to the album. Let's see. Uh what the is, glow. Yeah. Here we go.
4: Uh and Pat thinks that he sounds like he's gargling. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was the return of Willie Hutch to Mo- Motown with the song the glow and it did not reinvigorate his career and Maybe it should uh, have stayed gone. Charlene also who did the song fire it was a l- one last attempt to bring her uh, singing career back and it did not work so is that
5: the one that, that Laura Charles supposedly was singing
3: no that was like uh as soon as Eddie Arcadian takes over seventh heaven uh he puts on another video and oh, said, yeah, oh yeah she's yeah. awesome yeah. yeah that was that was Charlene hmm.
5: yeah you know what I noticed is that that Eddie Arcadian <laughs> did not do anything at all. Like, I mean, he had the girl that was that was putting out the videos, both the different girls, and like, and his bodyguard guy, whatever his name is, I can't remember, uh, the big guy, he kept finding everybody for him. He found all the villains to, to fight Leroy. He found this other girl. I mean, like, what is Eddie Arcadian bringing to the table?
4: That's just the, delegation just the of, you know, responsibilities. He's delegating, Pat. He's just a good he supervisor.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably just the money is all.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, one thing that I did notice this time that I'd never noticed before is they did a huge build. Up to the villain with the giant handlebar mustache with like the dog collar. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we never saw him get defeated or fight anybody.
2: No, he got knocked down like in the like in the first swing. Did he was he? he was one of the first ones to get knocked down because I, I remember have seeing to the big three vest.
5: And what's what's with all the criminals having
3: resumes?
4: Well, <laughs> the <that> eighties.
2: <is.
3: laughs> yeah, I mean it was a competitive job market.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean when you got Dog Boy running around out there, you better have some good words on page, otherwise you ain't getting the job.
5: See, from 1972 to 1979, thug. <laughs> You got, you got rape on here twice.
4: Oh, so, Pat, can you... Whoa. Uh, great, babe. Can you sing The Glow again for us? <laughs> no. Damn it. Please. Come on, Pat. <laughs> go to the clock tower and sing.
1: Glow to the glow, the glow, the glow, the glow.
2: See, sounds like he's gargling. And with that, we go to break. <laughs>
6: Am I the meanest?
4: Sure enough!
6: Am I the prettiest? Sure enough! Am him. I the baddest mofo down around this town? Sure enough! Well, who am I? Show enough! Who, who am I?
0: Sure enough! I. I can't hear you. Sure enough! The Shogun of
2: Harlem. All right, folks, we're back. Patrick is
4: out of the bell Here. tower. Isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Charlie's in the clock tower.
3: Yes, he's working on his epic about how the man with the iron fists is really like the Indiana Jones trilogy. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: because there was a guy with a gun, and there was <laughs> and rope some fighting. And rope is kind of like a whip.
4: I thought <laughs> he was comparing it to, uh, um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Like somehow they tied. Hey, it together. And the
2: snake did make an appearance.
4: Hold oh, on! Don't let him go down this <laughs> rabbit hole, please. <laughs> uh, well, should have picked like the Parent Trap or something. There was gold. There oh. were twins. Damn uh, it! Uh, it works every time. <laughs> Everything
2: comes back to the, the parent same trap. movie.
5: <laughs> hollywood keeps making the same movie over and over
2: so uh, this movie is the man with the iron fists came out with 2012 mm-hmm. um, yes and the on the hunt for a fabled treasure of gold how could it be it wasn't is that what it said in the it wasn't fabled they
3: yeah that it? is a horrible description it, it's it's a bad uh synopsis. on, on the hunt for that.
2: a literal chest of gold a band of warriors assassins and a rogue british soldier Descend upon a village in feudal China where a humble blacksmith looks to defend himself and his fellow villagers. That's not the movie I saw.
3: Yeah, I was going to no, say, that sounds like a completely different movie. Eh, yeah, exactly.
4: It's it's more or less there, but the... I mean, it's a Chinese government. It was their gold. True. Yeah. And... Anyway, we don't want to spoil – well, I don't know. Can we call them spoilers on anything at all? No.
3: No. I, okay. I, in fact, I don't think we ever have to call spoilers. If we're talking about a movie, people are going to reasonably assume we'll talk about it. Yeah.
4: Okay. Note to the listeners, no spoilers. We're going actually talk be. about
3: this movie. Yeah, that's, spoilers. Your, that's your spoiler. Yeah. So- yes, because if we don't talk about the movie, it'll just be us, like, humming. So mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm.
5: we could talking about Lucy Liu for half an
3: hour And her Provide freckles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> mm-hmm. What are you doing? He said we're humming. Uh, no, no, we're oh, we're not worrying about spoilers. No humming. Oh, okay, no
2: humming. All right, so anyway, this stars RZA as the blacksmith. Rick Yoon as Zen Yi the X-Blade. Russell Crowe as Jackknife. Lucy Liu as Madame Blossom. Dave Batista as Brass Body, Jamie Chung as Lady Silk. Chong Li as Bronze Lion, Brian Mann as Silver Lion, Daniel Wu as Poison Dagger, and Zuzu as Chi-Chi. <laughs> and I'm glad you left that in there. <laughs> I had to. Oh, man.
5: That might be another fantasy basketball team named Zuzu as Chi-Chi.
4: Ah, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's Zuzu's Petals.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious that this movie came from RZA being really interested in kung fu culture after having been involved with uh, Kill Bill.
4: Well, and he was – that's all the Wu-Tang Clan talked about. I mean, well, that's all their samples were and everything. So he came up in that culture. I mean, that was such a huge part of the the hip-hop culture for – well, depending on which coast you were on. but
5: And the Wu-Tang Clan themselves have always been very adamant about being Mm -hmm. Kung Fu fans. I know that. Exactly.
2: Right. Well, they made that video game, Kung Fu Fighting video game.
3: It was almost more (laughs) like a – Street wrestling, wasn't it? No, that was a uh, Death Row yeah. fighting game. Yeah, was this more one was street wrestling.
2: The Wu-Tang uh, fighting game was a four-player game that actually originally was claimed to have been too violent, and they stripped down the skin <clears> on that and put the Wu-Tang Clan on there, and they made a Wu-Tang game.
4: Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. It's true.
2: Can't argue with that.
4: Sorry, I listened to it a lot when I worked at the record store.
2: So, I don't so. know. Yeah, I watched trivia. this movie. Trivia, it's, trivia, trivia. The first cut of the film was four hours long. <laughs> oh my god, I would have hung myself. Rizza suggested splitting it into two films, but producer Eli Roth said, You're an idiot.
3: Let's cut it down to 90 minutes.
5: <laughs> we barely have 90 minutes worth of stuff here.
2: So,
3: Aww. Arisa, <laughs> I think Joel and I are going to be on the other side of the fence from you guys.
2: Yep. Well, don't. Uh, Rizza and Eli Roth worked on a screenplay together for over two years losing the script while they slept in a hotel room. The next morning, <laughs> they had to rewrite the whole thing, uh, talking through every aspect of the story down to the detail of every weapon. Huh. Well, the weapons were cool in this.
3: Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of detail, obviously, a lot of care and love put into the creation of the world and its mythos. Exactly. Yeah, and so... it, paid,
4: it paid homage to the roots that it was coming from. In every way possible, just about.
2: Uh, The song sung in the brothel brothel early in the film is the same song heard at the beginning of the John Woo's The Killer, which is an amazing movie. It is. So, this is a film I watched. And what I gleaned from it is, if you're going to make a movie to make yourself look cool and badass, don't put Russell Crowe in it. (laughs) Because uh, he will be more cool and badass than you.
4: Oh, I didn't know where you were going with that. Because I was going to say I liked Russell Crowe's No, character.
2: I love Russell Crowe in this. And, uh, I mean, Riza is the main character. I know it to make himself look like this cool, loner, badass blacksmith makes these weapons and all this. Then you throw Russell Crowe in there and he steals the whole damn movie.
3: Well, I mean, Okay. I have – in talking like on the breaks and whatever, I have made it pretty clear that I was pretty impressed with this. But I will say that the biggest glaring oversight in the entire movie is that the character who's supposedly the central character and who the movie is named after is clearly like the fifth or sixth most interesting character in the movie.
4: Well, I would disagree that he's the lead. I get – yes, he is the the title character, but (laughs) – but his his character along with Russell Crowe's and um Zen no. Rick Yoon's character, yeah, Zen Yi. Those they were really a, a trio and their stories were all just as tied together and important with the overall storyline as the blacksmith was. But they're, they're, neither one of theirs was really more important than the other. Russell was a little bit more toned down, but not much.
3: Yeah, except the blacksmith, the man with the iron fist was also the narrator. And I think that that was probably a bit of a misstep. He should have been the super interesting side character instead of being the central, like mm-hmm. putting himself in the middle was just kind of a, a novice director's, I think, mistake in like, I want to be the star of this, but the character I want to play is going to be this withdrawn badass. And a withdrawn badass is not a good central character when you're going to be crazy upstaged by Zin-Yi, Jack Jackknife, and even Madame Blossom. Yeah. Hell, even Brass Body oh. and Silver Lion. <clears throat> okay, one thumbs up I have to give
2: to this movie. Everybody had amazing hair. <laughs> Except for Riza, He had no hair.
4: And Dave Bautista didn't have much. He never has hair. What if yeah. Zuzu would have been the, the narrator?
2: Then she would have been like, oh, Zenyi went away. I'm going to wait here and wait for my tattoo to heal. <laughs> well,
3: it. That would just... have been interesting if she could have been like someone who heard the story after the fact. Because sometimes they do that. Someone who uh, wasn't there for all of the various scenes. I actually think that might have improved the film overall.
4: Well, and since she ties in directly with the sequel with the closing credits, it would have tied everything together and carried it into the next be telling
2: film. The story and then, yeah, exactly. I think the narrator should have been the uh the inn owner.
4: <laughs> no. What do
2: you mean no? The spicy. Yeah, he's like, "So everything's calm." And then Eric come in and wreck my shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got dead bodies everywhere.
4: He was great. He anyway, was great. no, not the narrator.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my only complaint with the film is the fact that the man with the iron fists is one of the – he's not uninteresting. He's just upstaged by, like, everybody. that That's it. That's what I disliked about it. That was yeah. the
2: one reason I didn't like this movie is because RZA is the man with the iron fists and everybody else is in in these superhero costumes running around. <laughs> you know, Russell Crowe is playing Jackknife running around with a Final Fantasy gun blade. Um, <laughs> You know, Lucy lou has got her fan and all that and got everything else happening. And then, you know, it's like he wants to be this mysterious guy who, you know, everything's going on. He saunters off and I going to go, "Ooh, what happened to the blacksmith? When everyone goes, oh, well, the blacksmith left. He went somewhere. What's Russell Crowe doing now? You know, he's pulling up, uh, I think, a string mm-hmm. of anal beads out of a woman
4: who's sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> Let's play the Navy. Um, I, well, Madam Blossom, though, was a bit to me was a bit too close to Oren Ishii, but. That's just me, minus the I fact did, I that she did wasn't a I did constantly
5: keep thinking of Oren the whole time she was on State. Okay. Yeah,
4: and I love Lucy Liu, don't get me wrong, and she was badass in this movie, and it, it was nice to see her doing that again, but at the same time... It very much reminded me of her role in Kill Bill.
3: I guess. Yeah. I mean, at least in the final fight, I mean, Oren had a very different background and a very different oh, yeah. character motivation.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, just just the the it was basically she played it the same way, even though the backstory was different. It felt like the same character in a lot of ways. Yeah, I
3: could see that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, exactly
5: the same mannerisms in the, in the same kind of establishment, too.
4: Uh, standout
3: performances from the cast. I mean, obviously, Russell Crowe was freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's addicted to opium, like 40 pounds overweight, and a total badass. Yeah. Uh, we have Dave Bautista showing. Uh, I didn't realize he was in this, and I yeah, thought I he was really good in this. Mm-hmm. And the other guy who really impressed me was Byron Mann, who was Silver Lion. He was great. He played it full
2: on over the top 1970s styles. Like, uh, kung fu movie villain with the laughter and the, you know, just the way his presence was. And that was very reminiscent of the 70s kung fu movies.
4: Well, yeah, I would, it was. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I would also agree that Daniel Wu went along the same route with as Poison Dagger. Yeah. Uh, of playing that to the hilt, which if you watch any 70s kung fu movie, just grab anyone off the shelf at your local video store or off Torrent or whatever. You'll see a character like eat both of these Oh, guys. there's
2: always some dude with long silver eyebrows.
3: Sure. I mean, In terms of look, but I, I even think that like Poison Dagger and Bronze Lion and some of the other characters were good. But I wanted to give a special shout out to Silver Lion for his charisma, his constant. He was evil, but he was funny at the same time, very expressive. Just his little quirks as he's interacting with the people he's oppressing.
5: Yeah, he had really good one one line, like one offs, when like somebody would die or something.
3: Right. And he commanded you to look at him, even if his character might not in the script have had anything in particular interesting to be doing in the scene. So I, I just thought it was a really well acted part from that guy who I had seen in a bunch of different things, but uh, I had never anything huge. I mean, he was in like Catwoman and Street Fighter
4: to <laughs> garbage films. I haven't seen either one, of them, but I've heard they're garbage. I don't know. For me, it just, it, it felt like, you know, everybody says, you know, a musician's first album is their best because they have their entire life to write the songs. And I felt like this was his, his kind of his love letter to all the films that he grew up on and loved so much that, I mean, he took great pains in making sure that it had the look, the feel, the, the music, the dialogue, the, I mean, well, not the dialogue necessarily, but you know, overall that it, it smacked of every single cliche 70s kung fu movie you've ever seen but at the same time was its own entity and was just as entertaining and just as much fun as any of those were and i didn't, you know just for that alone i enjoyed it let alone everything else that was going on
3: I also have to give uh, Riza credit. He recognizes that the weakest part about this was that uh, he has a very good vision for kung fu, but he's just not a great director yet. And uh, they've talked sequel, and he has said that in order to make a more quality product, he's still going to be involved, but he's not going to be the director for the sequel. So I have to give him props for that. Is giving up his baby to just make sure it's a better movie. That's impressive. Be a good decision.
2: Yeah. You can respect that, right? I can get behind
3: yeah. that. So, Pat, uh, sounds ah. like you're not a fan. No, not at all.
5: Um, he <laughs> <You> paused. <laughs> I couldn't stop, but 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 feel like this was basically just a re- not a reboot, uh, but just this is like a, almost a, an homage to. Okay, uh, let me before. I, okay, let me back up before I start this. Beep, beep, I know. <laughs> beep,
4: beep. Sorry, you're back up. All right, it.
5: George, stop, George. So he um. Before I even begin this, I'm going to say, I know this movie was an homage to the campy 70s kung fu, blah, blah, yada, yada bullshit. You know, I know all that. But I still couldn't stand this movie because it felt like one of those goddamn Frank Miller type movies where everybody has to be so cool and everybody has to be, you know, everything that has to happen that happens has to be so cool. And everybody's got to outcool each other. And I'm cool. And you're cool. and We're all cool. Let's go fight some things and be cool about while, while we fight them. And they'll be cool while we're fighting. And we'll be cool when we're done fighting and shut up.
2: I think you're just angry because you're not cool.
3: Yeah. I've never tried to be cool. I never wanted to be cool.
2: That
4: explains it. Mm.
3: So you basically want a couple of accountants slap fighting at a desk in your martial arts <laughs> not moment. at
5: all no I, I, just, can line,
3: I can line that up for you man
5: i just don't i don't want a movie that takes something that's as fantastic as two people that have spent their lives studying a craft fighting each other and they feel like you know what we need to take this and ramp it up i'm like no that's pretty fucking cool on its own like, you don't need to attach wires to people and make them fly around and shit to make it even cooler because like I mean, watching you know back in the day watching Bruce Lee kick some ass was all you needed and now suddenly it's like everything has to be crouching tiger and dragon all the time that's all I'm saying
4: Pat's watching G.I. Joe and he's like look at them going around being cool why can't they just shoot each other and be bloody and die like in a real war
5: I don't like overly stylized
3: violence.
4: Yeah, we know. Well,
5: I like violence to be violence.
3: That, and that's what this definitely is. It is taking an over-the-top, uh, crazy, supernatural, comic book fantasy version of martial arts. And I mean, I, I guess if that's not something you're interested in, that's fine.
5: Yeah, and uh, not to mention, okay, and and not to mention, Riza is just an awful narrator. Like, why would you give somebody with a lisp the, the job of narrating your movie? For you know, I couldn't take his it. Through. movie. His I movie. know, and like, and I agree with Josh when, when he said that somebody else narrating this movie would have made it better. 100% agree with that.
4: Oh, I don't disagree with that that thought process, but still, with his movie. When you make yeah. your movie, we'll make fun of you.
5: When I make my money, it's not... Uh, when, I make my, when I make my movie, it's not going to be this shitty.
4: Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Oh. No, I what just... About-
5: I don't... I don't like... When um uh, I don't know I mean it feels like a, when a when a movie when movie characters feel like Dungeons and Dragons characters that's like I feel like a movie character should have more depth than just I'm a badass with a cool knife oh you, yeah well okay. I'm a badass crazy hair and you and a, take and a like dog.
2: three weeks to create a and D character you and I played characters and we wrote entire backstories for the brothers yes but I'm talking the about incredible the depth, depth in the, our in our characters
5: in I'm talking about like the guy who you know the guy like Shane Hoffman who makes a character named Depeche. <laughs> And his cool feature is he's an elf with a big sword.
4: That's some backstory.
2: Okay, we're going to take a break <laughs> while Pat goes out to the front yard and yells at the sky.
4: I guarantee you, Pat, I'm I guarantee you, when Riza sat down with Eli Roth to write this, they they every character in this had a backstory. Absolutely. I sure
5: oh, I 100% did. agree with that. But, like... Put something of that in the, in the story. Don't waste my time. Don't waste my time having these people fight and line up in some stupid shoulder-to-shoulder she-stand-upside-down stance and have some random person you don't even see go, oh, the Gemini pose, or whatever. The Fuck, that's stupid. That is, just, that is just shitty, shitty exposition. That's horrible writing.
4: I love it when you rants. <laughs> this is why Pat's on the show, because if it's cool, he doesn't like it.
2: Oh, I think it's shit. I'm with Pat on this. I thought this was terrible. Well, what's your reasoning though? That's what I want My to reasoning on it? Okay, Rizza is a horrible director. He, and I partially agree with Pat, is that he had all these cool ideas, all these cool backstories for Zen Yi, for Jackknife, Madden Blossom. If RZA decided to make a movie entirely about Jackknife, shit, I would watch that.
5: It would probably be a good movie because you'd get to know all kinds of bullshit about About him.
2: one guy. He had all, so all much. You know put, about him was like, he likes Shut up, stuff. old man. I'll hang up on you again. <laughs> Whoa. <Wow. laughs> he is so. You're the same age. No, we're not. He's a month older than I am. So he's, (laughs) so he, the thing is, is yeah, that's great that Risen and uh, Eli Roth sat down and wrote all this backstory, designed all these cool weapons and all this. They should have figured out how to make some sort of plot and let us know about all these cool backstories and where these weapons came from and how come everybody does this sort of thing. The, it's like he had this original, like they said, the four hour movie and they crammed everything down into 90 minutes, but didn't lose anything. They should have dropped more, so that way, instead of having all these cool people with absolutely no backstory, these one-dimensional uh, action figures, they could have given me, cut out half these cool people, but leave Jackknife, because he was the best, and let me know, know more about three people than give me nine people that are just cool jumping around. Like, the Rick and
5: Dagger, honestly, could have been cut out of the whole
2: movie. Yeah, Zen Yi, honest to God, when he came around at the end and started wearing that
3: knife suit, I forgot who he was. You know, as much as I love this movie, I can't say I disagree with anything you just said. Uh, there are – it is a little bit busy. There are a few too many characters who don't really get the full time to shine that they deserved. And maybe this would have been more interesting as two completely developed movies instead of – One film that was cut from a four-hour epic into this two-hour film. Yes. I I liked it anyway, but I'd say that that is a fair criticism of The Man with the Iron Fist.
4: But I wonder if, you know, as a first time director and a guy who probably had to scrimp and borrow and whatever to get the money together, if he uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But I wonder if if he felt like, you know, this was one shot. So he's going to try and shove as much into it as possible and didn't subscribe to the theory that sometimes less is more, um, which, you know, he maybe could have pulled off something better if he had pulled it back a little. But, you know, yeah, at it's, the same time, one it's, thing that
5: Eli Roth is not known for is pulling back.
2: That's also fair. No, I mean, it's, Busy is the best way to put this movie. There's so much going on that you lose track of, okay, first off, you got Bronze Lion, Silver Lion, Argon Lion, a Neon <laughs> Lion, all these different lions running around. Neon Lion. Yeah, when, until, and actually, all you need is Gold Lion and Silver Lion, okay? Right. The dad and the son. You need those two. Poison Dagger, yeah, he could have been left out, but, you know, you need the connection between what's going on with the lions and the the betrayal in the king's court.
3: Sure, and also the Gemini killers, they had to have a way where they could be defeated but not in a fair fight. Yeah. And I I guess it's fair that if uh, you are going to cut uh, Poison Dagger, you probably have to cut the Gemini's as well, which is fine. I mean, I thought they were awesome, but I wanted to see more of them. Them showing up having this one crazy fight scene and then getting taken out by poison uh, mercury weapons. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think it's interesting that they have already been cast to reprise their roles in the sequel. I don't know how that's going to work because they were... flashbacks. They're got Dennis Dillinger. Yeah. Yeah,
4: cuz if you again they stuck to around after the end credits, if they follow the the end credits to the sequel then it couldn't be a prequel unless they did like I said flashbacks or they have twins of the twins
3: yeah see or parts. that's part of their powers that uh
2: they come back
3: that somehow they come back oh, it's okay
2: now i'm going to hate to say this and it's going to be recorded too but rizza was right this should have been two movies because the death of the gemini the gemini twins would have been more effective if there had been a, a previous movie
3: to give us some sort of connection to them. Oh, interesting. People have been referring to them as the Gemini twins They're uh, in all sorts of promotional materials, but it was pretty clearly established in uh, the film that they were husband and wife. Maybe they're coming back because they each have a twin brother and a twin sister who are also married. Ooh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Okay, yeah. I I, th- I could totally see that, and it would fit the characters that they've established. Mm. that would actually be kind of cool.
2: The other thing this this movie needed was a montage. Okay. I give you that That's because it. You, needed, you needed some sort of bridge between uh, the blacksmith losing his arms, jackknife getting everything together, and the X-Blade getting everything together. You needed some sort of, like, rallying cry. Instead, they're in the in the basement until the little girl shows up. It's like, oh, I know a way down. Okay, then we'll go running off.
3: Yeah, and then they just pair up with their obvious, like, this is going to be my final fight. Yeah, yeah. I thought they had a montage. (laughs) No.
5: I also was really very annoyed by the fact that he could, like, move the fingers on those iron hands. That was just really dumb.
3: Well, Um, I mean,
5: It was a clunky exposition to be like, oh, if your chi is strong enough, you can move inanimate objects. That is bullshit.
3: Yeah, that's... Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like you said, they did a hand wave to explain why why it quote-unquote worked. But yeah.
5: Yeah, explain to me how the metal melded to his skin, then. Explain to me that.
3: (laughs) Magic. <laughs> Whenever there's Fox. something like that you don't understand, a <laughs> wizard did it. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Josh, you had initially started talking about this, but Brass Body was great.
3: Oh, he was so cool. He was badass. He was charismatic. You got the uh, a sense that he was a cruel assassin, but he had another side to him. The kids loved him.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
5: I mean, honestly, and, and I'm, I'm not just saying this because I, I like wrestling or anything, but like, wrestlers are trained to be like great actors. I mean, if you can still keep your character together while you broke a rib. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good actor. I mean,.
3: I mean, I will agree that you have really strong performances, really cool characters in a script that had some problems, mainly due to cramming too many characters in. And it was kind of ham-fisted by a director who had this epic vision and didn't have the skill as a filmmaker to completely carry it off. I still loved it because I appreciated what he was trying to do. Plus, this was so panned that I had really low expectations.
5: There was one scene when Russell Crowe is is in the room with the three women, and I'm just like watching it, thinking the only person really enjoying this is Russell Crowe. <laughs> like, and I'm not talking about like you know character wise. I'm just talking about like everybody filming this, everybody writing this. I'm like, no one is enjoying watching this. Like I mean, nobody wants to see a fat Russell Crowe in a foursome. I do. Russell I mean, Crowe does. No, but and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I felt like this whole thing is made just a so Russell Crowe and Riza can make out with hot chicks. That's this whole movie was made for that. There's
2: something I mean. else I want to bring up. There right. was an amazing lack of boobies in this movie.
1: Yeah,
5: yeah. what the hell was that about? I was. Yeah, there was a
3: lot of sex and no nudity. I, yeah. I did notice that. I mean, there's it's
5: not because they were trying to keep a rating because the blood and gore were there. Yeah.
4: No, but what hearken back to the the old 70s. Films, the old Golden Harvest films. Was there nudity in those?
3: More than likely. No. 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 He's right. Uh, all the Shaw Brothers stuff. Huh. I don't remember seeing any topless women. All I'm another saying is there, there hate, were another two, reason to hate Kung Fu. Two bath
2: scenes in a brothel. No boobies.
5: <laughs> yeah. I was
2: and kind of a, okay. A and and I'm really becoming impressed with my wife on this. Not to make a weird segue there, but yeah, <laughs> that's not going gonna go somewhere bad. Jamie Chung, who played Lady Silk. Okay, watching mm-hmm. this, Suzanne sits up, I know her, I recognize her from something, she figured it out, Jamie Chung, <laughs> this is how weird my family is, my house is, this kung fu movie that we're watching with Jamie Chung, who is actually in a movie that my daughters were watching earlier that day, called Princess Protection Program by Disney. Where she well, was she's like...
3: been in a lot of stuff too, I mean, yeah. she was in The Hangover 2 and 3, Yeah, she, she was in Sucker Punch. Uh, she's going to be replacing uh, the actress who played Miho uh, in the original Sin City. She replaced her in the sequel because the original actress was pregnant. Oh. So yeah, Jamie Chung's been around. Yeah, I was just impressed that she picked up another... Uh...
5: You would just stick any Asian woman in any other Asian woman role. It doesn't matter.
4: Whoa. <laughs> Apparently they dropped off another bucket. <laughs> I heard you were down on
2: racism. Here, have Can't some of mine. That. It's fresh squeezed. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was going to a bad place there for a second and I stopped myself. Another oh, question.
2: Local racism. All this all this Holy forced God. sex is happening in at the end of the movie that yeah. the, the lions have taken over the the, the brothel. How okay, how and do they manage nice to keep those things in their, their mouths that whole time? What?
3: Oh. I know wow. what goes yeah. on. They're trained as a league of assassins as black widows, and I thought their transformation into the black widow assassin, like this secret additional animal clan where you've got the lions, the hyenas, the wolves, and they're the black widows, and they've been like laying in their lair in their web the whole time, and then they reveal themselves. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that was pretty cool. I just wondered how come, you know, I know what goes on.
4: Maybe it was somewhere else. I mean, the way it was designed, it could have fit in the, you know, in the little roof of the mouth and who knows.
2: I'm just saying there were probably wait, a couple wait. accidents.
4: Suspend disbelief, Pat. I'm I wasn't the
2: one that had a problem. I didn't have a problem at.
4: Oh, well, I thought you might, so that's why I said your name.
5: I have no problem with a <laughs> prostitute imagining killing her her clients. You again. don't have
4: a problem with imagining killing a prostitute, Patrick?
1: I don't
5: have to well, imagine that. We Down the rabbit hole!
3: <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. I don't have a problem. I brought with
4: you it. a bucket of misogyny, too. I thought you might be out.
3: <laughs> well, and I guess you can assume, get, getting to what Mike is trying to make veiled reference to, <laughs> is that there were probably some uh, requests that had to, by the nature of keeping this movie R and not triple X, made by members of the Lion Clan, which meant that they checked out early. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Now... Here we have Blow the what? Sorry. what? Yes, that's what I. That's what we're yeah. getting at. Yes, blowjobs with death. razors. I just
5: wanted to spell it out for people that, that couldn't figure it out.
2: Thank you, Pat. That's why we keep you on. Yes. No problem. Now, final thoughts on the film from Four Skeletors. <laughs> Skeletor from Texas, you're first.
5: Yeah, I'll never watch this movie again. Watch a Duncan <laughs> What?
4: What are you saying, Skeletor?
5: (laughs) a bunch of dunderheads in this movie.
4: Curse you,
2: He-Man, I'll never watch this movie again. Russell Crowe was cool, though. I liked his (laughs) gunblade.
4: I'd have to say that this was my favorite movie of the day, and better than The Last Dragon, more entertaining, and I can't do this for very long because I screw it up. (laughs) I don't even know that that's really what I wanted to say. (laughs) Beast-man-like
3: movie. (laughs)
4: That's not Skeletor.
2: Right? Yeah. <laughs> Skeletor gone. <laughs> oh, shit. So what are we doing
4: next week, guys? Uh, oh. I enjoyed the movie. I'll just put it that way. I, I liked the worst, it. The
2: worst thing
5: about this movie, honestly, was I was constantly reminded of The Quick and the Dead while watching this movie, and that is not a compliment. Uh,
2: Wait, the remake?
5: No. Uh, yeah, the, the one with Sharon Stone and Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio.
4: The Bible story?
5: No. Okay. All
4: right, so on tap for
2: like. next week, gentlemen. Vending machine toys. And food. And food.
4: Well, I didn't know if we were going to talk about, like, the bubble gum in there and the, boiled pe- or the Boston peanuts. Boiled <clears>
3: peanuts <clears> in the <throat> vending machine. Oh, well, I think we'll talk about, like, the vending machines that were full of just, like, someone dumped a uh, bunch of nerds candy in, and then you get a fistful of bananas because they all sort to the bottom. <laughs> but also, like, the capsule stuff. You got the weird yeah. little rings and, like... Uh, stuff that has changed over the years. But when you're walking out of the grocery store and you see that line of machines for the kids that beg their parents for a couple of quarters and they get these dumb little prizes, those things have been present from the time we were kids till now. And Mm -hmm. they've changed a little bit over the years. And we're going to talk about how. Yeah. And we're also including like the claw game and that sort of thing too.
5: Yeah. I was going to say the crane games. Yeah. From the arcades and stuff. We can talk about those as well.
3: Yep. Yep. So if you'd like to hear our thoughts on stuff from pop culture, geek culture, film, etc., you can always find our old episodes on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories, as well as our home on the web at www40 14com and on a podcast network over at www.musingsofageek.com. Right, and if you want to see our
2: uh, daily chatter and uh, ranting and raving and Patrick in his bucket of racism, you can go <coughs> to our uh, Facebook page where we have lots of posts and cool stuff showing up there, or you can check out our Twitter feed where we have other sort of random interactions going on. And if you have any ideas for shows, definitely give us a call at 708 now wrap That's 708-669-9727. And we will also accept Another listener singing "Right Said Fred"
4: and Skeletor impersonations.
2: Oh yeah, Skeletor! I want, I want Skeletor singing "Right Said Fred" from oh. somebody. Oh my god, that'll be amazing. So,
6: man, too sexy for this shirt.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy!
2: All right, folks. Well, you guys have a good night. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye. Yeah. You are now
0: leaving the world of musings of a geek podcast network. Stay
4: geeky, my friends. Get over here, Svator. I want you to destroy He-Man.
5: Kill him with warmth and comfort.
4: <laughs> you sound just like Skeletor's good. It's the first impression I've ever heard you do that you, I really like. I bought it.
3: I thought it sounded like the leader of the Spanish Inquisition For money, Python.
4: <laughs> well, they're interchangeable. But who knew Pat could do a Skeletor impression? I'll put you in the comfy chair, He-Man. <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition.
5: They're kind of the same person. Yeah, Yeah, they kind of are. (laughs)